Well, good morning, everybody. This uh, morning we are in Galatians chapter uh, 1. This is week 4. Welcome to Stuart Heights uh, Baptist Church. And uh, I can't believe that I've had, this makes four weeks in a row, and nobody has caught the glaring typo on the handout yet. Uh, I just saw it this morning for the first time, so uh, you catch it, don't say it out loud, uh, but show me after the service and there'll be a prize for you. So see if we'll pay attention this morning. So it's Galatians 1. Uh, today we're in verses 11 through 24. And uh, we're going to, each week what I'd like to do is start with the text from the week before to kind of help us lead through and walk through this. Uh, so Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10, verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you uh, to the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For now, uh, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So that's last week's text brings us up to today. Uh, Galatians 1, uh, verse 11. And in the, the second half of this chapter, what we look at is uh, Paul continues. And here's your first blank on your handout if you're a blank filler. Paul continues his defense of himself and the source of his message as he recalls his salvation story, his testimony of grace, and his early Christian development. So if you've ever kind of wondered, so so how did, how did Paul get, like, what was his... Christian Training 101. Well, it, it started very early in his life, but we're going to look at a little bit of that today. So, um, so verse 11, he says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. So um, if, if you'll open up your translation of the scriptures, I want to see what your versions say for the word gospel and the word preached. So if anybody has any different words there, you have a different word than gospel and preached. The good news, okay? Anybody else? No? It's actually the same word in Greek. It's just the noun form is the first. That's your first blank there, the noun form of the word. Brethren, that the gospel, the noun form of the word, which was preached, which is the verb form of the word. So you could kind of say it, the gospel which was gospeled among you, um, because the, the gospel is a noun and it is a verb. It is a thing. It is a, a collection of facts, the the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as a verb, it is the proclamation of that good news. Um, so it's both a noun and a verb. And I want to miss that this morning. By me is not according to noun from man, for I neither received it from man, uh, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So let's think about this for a second. So think back to how you first heard about Jesus. So how did you first hear about Jesus? Saw it in someone else's life, okay? Anybody else? Your parents. How many of you heard it from your parents? Yep, most people hear it from their parents. Um, how many of you, there was some class that you went to and somebody was like, you started talking about Jesus and, oh, okay, that's kind of neat, all right? So you, you, can, you can receive it from somebody. You can be taught it. How many of you were strolling down the road and all of a sudden you were struck with blindness? A Jesus Christ appeared to you in the sky and had a personal, direct, uh, message for you specifically. Anybody? Really? Because that's what's happened to Paul, right? 
that's what? It happens in the church up the street, yeah. It, uh, they might say it does, yeah. Um, now, so, so this idea that, that Paul is having to defend both the gospel and how he received the gospel, how he obtained the gospel, how he came to the knowledge of the gospel. Um, and you can read about that story in Acts chapter 9, but Paul is saying, it was not taught to me, it was not handed to me, but it came through the revelation. Anybody have a different word in your translation than the revelation? Anybody know the Greek word? I think I may have put it in your notes. Apocalypse, yeah. And we don't typically think about the apocalypse. Well, that's not a cool way to get the gospel, right? I don't want to go through an, an apocalypse. Well, apocalypse literally means it's the revealing. It's the, you know, God in the Old Testament would show up in a godlike form and just overwhelm people. It was too much for them, right? So he comes down on the mountain and he interacts with uh, Moses for what may be a day or two, and Moses comes back and he's, his face is glowing for 40 days, right? And we're going, that's a little too much, right? And the people gather near to the base of the mountain and they die because it's just too much. So Jesus comes a couple thousand years later. God wraps himself in a man, in, a, in flesh, the enfleshment, and we can then interact with God in a non, dare I say, scary way, non-dangerous way. Does this make sense? And then fast forward to the book of Revelation, the unveiling, the revealing, and this is literally where Jesus, where we see him for who he really is, right? Because when he was man walking on the earth, if, if you put him in a lineup, you wouldn't have been able to pick which one was God and which one wasn't. He looked like a man. He was a man. But in Revelation, this unveiling, this revealing, this unfleshment almost, the truth is laid bare. And that's the same word Paul uses here um, to help us understand that this is the type of revelation that Jesus Christ gave to him. So verse 13, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. Now I know most of you in this room, and I know quite a few of your stories, and I would venture to say that you, just like me, would like to keep just a few, or maybe more than a few, of those stories about your life buried exactly where you buried them. Anybody? Yeah? I've got some that I don't ever want to see the light of day. I have taken great pains to make sure uh, this will never see sunshine. <laughs> right? So Paul is saying, look, I, I acknowledge my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted. And Miss um, Anna, can you help me out for just a second? Awesome. Can you come here for a second? She's like my immediate and awesome volunteer every single time. All right. So you have a younger sister, right? Yes. Her name is Grace, Grace which is kind of cool because I have a daughter named Anna Grace, so it's easy to remember the names. Uh, do you and uh, Miss Grace ever play, you ever chase each other? She chases you and tries to wrestle you. Okay. Uh, Miss Abby, can you help me out for a sec? Um, Abby's probably the... Oh, she's got... No, 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 no. Never mind. No, never mind. Never mind. All right. Can you? Okay, cool. Let's do that. I was like, I don't want injuries in Sunday school. This is not going to be good. All right. So uh, here's the deal. She might be taller than you, right? All right, so I've got $5, okay? 
<laughs> Terry's. <laughs> All right. So I've got five dollars, and I'm going to give you a three-second head start. Okay. You may want to take your shoes off too. <clears throat> Y'all are going. Where is he going with this? Yeah, you're going to learn a Greek word today. I've got five dollars for you. If in ten seconds you can tag her, she gets a three-second head start. I've got $5 for you if you can't in 10 seconds. Your three-second head start begins now. You don't let her tag you. Go. One, two, three. <laughs> Six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, that was awesome. Did you get her? Oh, you did. All right. That is lunch money. So, so I have never seen anybody run that fast. That's cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. So if you want to know what the Greek word persecute means, that's what it means. It means to run down, literally, to run down. So I've always had this picture of Saul when he was this, you know, breathing the slaughterings and the threatenings and all this stuff. Um, and if you think about, if you think about nutrition and the type of... Uh, physical uh, appearance that most Jewish folks have, Saul was probably a very short guy, right? Because nutrition in that time was not really, really good. People didn't live long periods of time. They weren't nearly as tall as we are now. I would have been a giant in Bible times. It would just it's been ridiculous. Six foot two, that's crazy. So when I, when I learned about words like this and I see this little bitty fella chasing down Christians, and in my mind it makes me laugh, but, but when he caught you, it was not good for you, right? It wasn't just, oh, I got $5. No, 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 no. It advanced his religious career in those circles. Okay, so what does the verse say? Verse 13, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted or pursued the church of God beyond measure. Here's another Greek word for you, hyperbole. Um, many of you have studied uh, literature and uh, in high school, you, we were forced to learn by wonderful English teachers <clears throat> that we all dearly love, right? We were forced to learn uh, words that we really never used again to describe literary techniques and things that are going on. So does anybody have any English teaching experience in the room today? Anybody? To elementary students, that's awesome. Uh, anybody know what the word hyperbole means? Yes, so it's this great exaggeration. Yes, you are on fire. It's just hot in here. Yes, it is. I agree. And I really poor choice with the sweater this morning for me. So just so you know. Um, so beyond measure, beyond what is measurable, and try to destroy or ravage or, or waste the church. And I advance. I'm going to read this whole verse, and we'll go back and talk about the word advance. And I advance in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. These are the people that were his own age that were trying to pursue a career in this uh, in this religious structure, in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. All right, so I advanced. Anybody have a different word there in your translation? It's active lesson today, sorry. We have a different word for advanced. I what? Becoming a leader. Okay, yeah. Anybody else? No? All right. So... Imagine a blacksmith, all right? So this is the anvil, all right? I need your help for a second. 
So, so I've got, put your hand right there. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to see what he'd say. That's all. All right. So this is the metal that's about to be hammered, right? So I've, I'm Thor. I've got the hammer here. We're ready to go. And whap. Now what happens to the to the metal? It gets bent. Something moves right here, right? Right. A harder object strikes a softer object. This is going to move. All right. The, he's worried about you. He's leaving. He's going to start praying for you right now. No? Okay. So, bam. Have you ever seen somebody forge metal? You ever seen this process, right? When the hammer strikes, the metal moves outward, right? That's just the way this works. The portion of the metal that moves outward is the Greek word here, prokopto. It is the thing that is being thrust out with great speed because of great force. Okay, so let's read the verse again. It says, And I advanced, I was thrust out in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father. As Saul is pounding on the church, his career is advancing. This is the picture. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. This is the picture that he is painting here. Does this make sense? Does this make sense? Yes? You with me? Okay, great. Amy sent me a great quote from the Life Application Bible Commentary. She said, Following traditions does not give anyone salvation. That's a blank for you. Blank fillers. Following traditions does not give anyone salvation. So, so Saul is actively pursuing after this, and he's recalling his story that many of us would want to cover up. Right? I mean, if I, before I became a Christian used to persecute and kill and lock up and imprison and put on trial Christians, I wouldn't lead with that. Right? And he puts it in the first chapter. <laughs> He's a different kind of dude, okay? So, verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb. This word, the, the Greek word for separated is very, very similar to the Greek word for Pharisee because the Pharisees were separated. They, they considered themselves different and apart from everybody else because we were more holy. So he's kind of got a little nod here, literature-wise, to the Pharisees. For when he separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, he separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Verse 16, to reveal, again, this word apocalypso, this revelation, to reveal his son, what's the next two words? Where? Where? In me. So time out, hang on. Time out, time out. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the title of the last book of the Bible, is the unveiling of Jesus. It's his unveiling of himself. Paul is talking about the unveiling of Jesus in me. Here's a great prayer that you can pray. Lord, reveal yourself to me and reveal yourself in me. I want to know him more, and I want others to know him through me. I want him to be revealed in my life so that when people look at my life, they go, wow, Jesus is doing something there because that's not Jim. Right? Does that make sense? 
that I might, here's the next of the verse, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That I might preach him among the Gentiles. So there were two great apostles in the New Testament that had very specific uh, audiences. So Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. Anybody know who the apostle to the Jews was? Peter, right. Simon Peter was the apostle to the Jews. That's, this was his calling. This was his passion. This is what God laid on his heart. This is what I'm going to be consumed with for my entire life. Now, I like Paul, and there's a reason I like Paul. I put a picture up on the screen over here. So somebody tell me what color that circle is. It's, it's red mostly, right? Like a dark red kind of, yeah? Is the whole thing red? Really? You sure? It, it is, is the whole thing, though? How many of you say yes? There's eye appointments at Walmart down the street if you, need, if you say yes, yes. So the red represents something, and the blue represents something. Wikipedia is awesome, yes. The red represents the current population of Gentiles on this planet. The blue represents the current population of Jews on this planet. There's just under 14 million Jews. Just a little over 7 billion Gentiles. I'm really thankful for Paul's ministry. We're in the red, guys. That's us. And if So let's just say Paul decided, you know what? I've been stoned enough. I'm done with this. <laughs> that was really bad. Um, you'll get that tomorrow. Uh, maybe the red, you know, maybe things are different. Maybe they're not. Maybe God calls somebody else. But I'm really thankful for Paul's ministry. Paul was called, what's the blank say? His calling was to make Jesus known to the Gentiles. That was his thing. So when you think about, well, how important was that role? Well, he kicked this thing off for us. He cared about us. He went to bat for us. He argued for us. That's a big deal. So he says that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. These are the apostles. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now we're going to talk about a couple verses here real quick that I'm going to come back and put into context. So verse 18, then after three years, after three years where? After three years where? He was at, he was in the desert. Three years in the desert? Well, that doesn't sound like fun. Really? So I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him for 15 days. So he spent three years in the desert in Arabia. Now, this is not Saudi Arabia. It's not the same Arabia. Um, he spends three years in the desert, and then he goes to see Simon Peter. So here's my question for you. Where did Paul get his gospel from? Got it straight from Jesus. Did he get it from Simon Peter? No, there's a bit of a timeline problem there if he got it from Simon Peter, right? Because he sees Jesus, right? Uh, he's changed. He goes to the desert for three years, and then he goes and sees Simon Peter. His accusers, the people that were attacking him in the area of Galatia, were saying to the Galatian churches that Paul, just like those law-loving apostles to the Jews got his gospel 
from the Jewish apostles, and he wants you to keep the law too. Now, this isn't clearly stated in Galatians, but if you put together all the arguments that he refutes in Galatia, this is what you have to come together with. He's painting this picture of, this is what they're attacking me for. Sometimes, sometimes if you come in on the middle of an argument, you can't really tell, it's not immediately apparent exactly what two people were arguing about, but if you stand and you listen to them argue just a minute, you can eventually figure out what the original problem was. And this is kind of where we're at. We're watching Paul very clearly articulate an answer to a question that's not posed in the text. So we have to back up and figure out what the question was. Does this make sense? Put a little Columbo, little Sherlock Holmes here going. Okay. So then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. Now, most of you know that the Greek language uh, did not begin with the Greek version of the New Testament, right? Greek was around before the the New Testament was written. There were several different types of Greek. Koine Greek is the type that's written in the New Testament. And it's this real common language, the every man's version of Greek. It's not the uh, overly formal or stuffy. It's just the everyday guy version of Greek. Well, there were lots and lots and lots of other works of literature that were written in this style of Greek during that period. One of the ways that we find out what a more full and fleshed out definition of a word is is by reading those other books that don't have anything to do with the Bible and to find out how those words were used in a different context so that we can see a more fully fleshed out context in the Scripture. Because many times in the New Testament, a word will only be used one or two times. Right? So we, we may not have all of the context that would really flesh out the word to help us understand what's going on. Because if you read this verse, and if you go into the text with the idea that Simon Peter and the other apostles in Jerusalem were calling Paul on the carpet and saying, you're going to come up here and explain yourself while you're preaching this gospel, then you can, well, I went up to go see Peter. All right, yeah. I went up to go see the principal. Anybody ever have that happen? That's one definition of the word see. This particular word, in other non-biblical sources means tourism. I went up to go check it out. I wanted to go see the sights. I wanted to go see Peter. This was not being called on the carpet. So it, it matters what the full fleshed out definition of words are on how we look at and interpret the scriptures. Does this make sense? All right, that was a lot to say. Paul was not called on the carpet. This was not going to see the principal. This was not he's in trouble. This is Paul sought out Simon Peter for this conversation. So he goes and he sees him, and he stayed with him 15 days. Can you imagine the conversation over those 15 days? <laughs> that would have been kind of cool, right? Just to have been a fly on the wall during some of that. Because Paul was passionate about sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. And Peter was passionate about sharing the gospel with the Jews. And I would imagine, given both of their personalities, that there might have been at least one squabble between the two. Perhaps. Right? Yeah. We actually have a record of one. We'll talk about that a little later in Galatians. So, verse 19. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. You go, well, whoop, time out, time out, time out. So we, we slipped in in the middle of this argument again, right? And we're listening to one side articulate 
So somebody must have been accusing him of lying if he's saying, I'm not lying. Okay? So we can see this fleshed out understanding of what's going on. Verse 21, afterward I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ, but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. Let's read that again. Is that beautiful or what? Formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. So Paul spent all, Saul spent all this energy and effort chasing down, trying to ravage, trying to destroy the church and the gospel. And then a few years later, he spends his entire life in his, all of his effort trying to proclaim that gospel. It, the gospel will make you do some strange and curious things. <laughs> it will. You will either love it or you will hate it. And if you're going, well, I'm not so sure about it, you hate it then. You're either fully on board or you're not. Here's a quote from Martin Luther. So his reason for repeating these things was to keep the churches in true and sound doctrine, to show that he had not received his gospel from any man, and to show that three or four years in Damascus and Arabia by the revelation from God, he had preached the very same gospel that the apostles had preached before he had seen any of the apostles. So we're establishing a timeline here. We're establishing a, an authority that was given to him by God. And then verse 24 is one of the goofiest verses in all the, of Galatians. And they, who's they? Look at the context. Churches, right? They glorified God in me. Well, time out, time out, time out. This was the me that persecuted the church. This was the me that locked up the Christians. This was the me that stood there and watched Stephen get stoned to death. This was the me that was the murderer and the slanderer and the destroyer of the gospel. And to me, this says Jesus can use anybody. I do not care about your yesterday. Okay? I, I'm going to say it again. I do not care about your yesterday. And Jesus doesn't either. Okay? Because he paid for all of that. It's done. So if your yesterday is ugly, guess what? We're not worried about yesterday. We're worried about right now. And that is a whole different perspective. A whole different perspective. So what's the point? Well, a couple things here. Number one, the gospel is a noun and a verb. Right? So if it's a noun, it better be something we know. Right? It better be something we know. And if it's a verb, it better be something we share. It better be something we do. You do not get to be ambivalent about the gospel. You have to pick a side. And when we pick the side of doing nothing, then we pick the side. Okay? The gospel is a noun and a verb. Number two, God can use a pagan's passion for God's good. So whatever that thing was that you used to be just like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Ah, and it was sin and it was ugly and it was black and it was, you thought, that is irredeemable. <laughs> Have you met Jesus? Because he has this really cool habit of taking a mess and turning it into something that is beautiful. Nobody said amen. He has this really cool habit of taking a mess and turning it into something that is beautiful. A mess. This is what we are. 
I'm a mess right now with him on a good day. Without him, are you kidding me? There is nothing good. He takes this passion, this pagan's passion. So what do I now do with that? Number two at the bottom there. Remember my pagan state and view everyone as savable. I'll let you spell that however you want. I may have made that word up. I'm not sure. Um, We have this habit in Christianity, especially in the South, of going, well, my neighbor is a really nice guy. He'd make a really great Christian. And it's just like fingernails on a chalkboard. Yeah, but the drunk hobo on the street would make a great Christian too, right? Your neighbor that shoots off fireworks at 3 o'clock in the morning on July the 5th and will not stop and aggravates the fool out of you and has a dog that needs to be tied up, he needs Jesus too. And then you learn how to be a good neighbor, right? (laughs) Don't just go after the nice gals and guys. Go after the rotten, stinking, filthy, heathen pagans. We need Jesus. The gospel is for everybody. Number three, at the top, apply. So what's the point? Almost everybody spends some time in the desert. Paul spent three years there. Anybody else in the Bible ever spend any time in the desert? Jesus spent some time in the desert, yeah. Moses spent some time in the desert. Uh, Elijah spent some time in the desert. Uh, David spent some time in the caves, which is kind of equivalent to not where pleasant things happen, right? Number four at the top, what's the point? Jesus can save anyone. Um, Zeke Arder has a, uh, several family members that are not believers, and, and he is exceedingly burdened about them, and we regularly pray together for this, and we have been praying for years and years and years for these folks to come to know Jesus. And Zeke gets discouraged at times. He gets really discouraged. And he will say, you know, is, is this ever going to happen? Like, I don't know, man, but we're going to keep praying. And we're going to keep telling about Jesus. And we're going to keep being, being Jesus in the neighborhood. And we're going to keep at this. And I've been thinking about this. And this is not a slap on Zeke. Uh, the personalized, now what do I do at the bottom? The, the answer is never give up on Jesus. Because when in those moments I am tempted to doubt that somebody will ever come to know Christ, It is not a slap in the face of that person. It is a slap in the face of the gospel, right? Because if I believe that the gospel can no longer save somebody because they've been so bad or done so much wrong, well, then the gospel is not the gospel, right? If Hitler, on his last day on the planet, had decided to repent and to turn to Jesus, we would see him in heaven, okay? The gospel is that strong. Now that is exceedingly, highly, highly inflammatory speech in most parts of America today. That that will get me run out of most places. But the gospel is for everybody. I don't care how good you think you are or how bad you think you've been. The gospel is for everybody. So, and then number five, what's the point? Well, God will have his glory. And he may put you in the desert for a while so that he can have greater glory, right? But he will have his glory. And what do I do with that? Well, know that the end of my story will result in God being glorified. Whatever this thing is that you, you feel like you're either walking through or being drugged through or, or running through or trudging through or slogging through or whatever it is, God is going to be glorified on the other side of this thing. And that's the encouragement in it, right? Because it's not for my glory and for my benefit 
It's for God's glory and for his benefit. Galatians chapter 1, one chapter down, five to go. I love this book so far. You see how I couldn't do this in six weeks? This is just too much good stuff here. We're going to be here till August, guys. Sorry. Or if Jesus comes back earlier, that'd be cool. Like he interrupted Galatians. That'd be neat, huh? All right, so at your tables uh, is a sheet. Make sure your names are signed on there. Make sure you've got your prayer requests uh, written out. I think the breakfast bucket made it around most of the way. If it didn't, please continue it moving around. That's how we pay for our breakfast in the morning. And uh, thanks for coming to Sunday School. Appreciate you being here.